Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. dedicated to Henry Farmer. In the year of the Welcome to Tuesday's Agitators Anonymous bonus podcast, whatever you want to call it. Um, Tuesday is the heavy metal ramble, even though I've grown to hate that word. Um, it's a bit too pastoral sounding, isn't it? What should we call it? Tuesday's miscellany. Tuesday's gospel. I don't know. Tuesday's something. Anyway, Tuesday with Agitators Anonymous is a little bit of a discussion about heavy metal stuff, about rock rock and roll, whatever you want to call it. It's about, and before I get into the podcast, isn't it a bit odd when you look at the image that Motorhead for Iron Fist? Could it be one of the most heavy metal um, band photo shoots ever made? Go and take a look at the Iron Fist photo shoot, which I guess is 81, and then weigh that up against Lemmy's claims that Motorhead were never heavy metal. Hmm. <laughs> Could be a bit of revisionism going on there. I don't know. Um, and also the uh, concept that Thin Lizzy were never heavy metal either. I get it in the 70s, but I was listening to Thunder and Lightning at the weekend. We were driving to a show and um, they were playing Thunder and Lightning in the van. And that kind of John Sykes energy, it's heavy metal, isn't it? I mean, Thunder Lightning is heavy metal, isn't it? Cold sweat. Hmm. Anyway. What am I talking about? This is the kind of rambling you don't pay your admission fee for. Well, anyway, you can follow me on nemthiang underscore primordial or primordial underscore official if you want to support the show. You can go to patreon.com, Alan Averill, A-V-E-R-I-L-L. There's some demos there, discussions, random this and that, all sorts of other things, not necessarily or really even mostly connected to primordial, but, you know, sometimes... But yeah, you know, go and check out Motorhead's image on Iron Fist. I guess what they were trying to do is they were trying to sort of one-up Ace of Spades, which is, of course, one of the most iconic band photos everywhere or ever. Um, And Iron Fist super leaned into a very sort of heavy metal image. Um, But one of my, I think my favourite Motorhead photo shoot has to be that, well, one of was that very strange one that came around the No Remorse record 
which is the brilliant double album. And it's the only record, I think, that has Killed by Death on it. But it is a, a sort of biblical um, scene where Lemmy is on the cross um, and the rest of the band are Roman soldiers or someone's on the cross and, and the rest are Roman soldiers. It's quite a sort of arresting, almost black metal sort of image, I think. But yeah, very cool, very cool. Um, and they're just one of those bands. Is there ever a period where Motorhead were never cool? Never really. They were always, even back to 1977, 78, they always looked fucking cool. How the fuck did they manage that? Because most bands went through an awkward electronic phase or they grew too old for their stupid twisted sister makeup or they became, they went through, you know, a sort of, let's try and get modern somehow, which many of the English bands, if you look at like Saxon or something, and look, I like Innocent, Innocence is no excuse. I think it's a great record. Actually, musically, I think there's some really great songs on it. But I think you can trace the success. Um, it's tr- quite strange. Def Leppard's photograph in 1983 was this huge, big sort of power pop metal single. And it was a huge song. Um, you know, it's got the huge big chorus and everything. And Def Leppard were really sort of knocking it out of the park with the Pyromania album, which I'm a huge fan of. But it just kind of opened the floodgates of MTV, which then Rat and, you know, Bon Jovi were coming afterwards and the and Motley Crue and stuff. And I think a lot of the English bands of the time really had their noses put out a joint. Um, you can see the influence of that early 83 glam rock, for example, or 84 on Judas Priest. Because it's all over Turbo, which, let's be honest, was um, an album that at the time was sort of kind of ridiculed in some quarters for Judas Priest having turned their back on their roots. It's been sort of reassessed and it has some brilliant songs in it. Of course, the title track, um, Out in the Cold and Reckless, which is a brilliant, brilliant song. One of my favourite Judas Priest songs, which actually was supposed to be in uh, the uh, soundtrack for the movie Top Gun. But I think Judas Priest's management, if I'm not incorrect, told them, oh, we don't think this film's going to be a hit. Uh Famous last words. Uh, I would hope that someone was docked their Christmas bonus for making that rather daft decision. Reckless, yeah, great. But it also contains wild nights, hot and crazy days locked in. Yeah, it's cool now, and I think people have reassessed it. But at the time, it's sort of open for a, a sort of small object of ridicule, especially from the UK press, who viewed it as Judas Priest kind of selling out and trying to follow... Um, trying to follow Motley Crue and trying to follow Bon Jovi and oddly enough Turbo isn't the biggest selling Judas Priest album and that's either Defenders of the Fate Screaming for Vengeance era but Priest were filling out kind of you know stadiums well at least 12 to 24 25,000 kind of arenas and they were doing this not on the back of millions and millions and millions of record sales in fact Quiet Riot Metal Health is a bigger selling record than any Judas Priest record um, yeah, I know. Imagine that. Look that one up. I told you it was going to be a heavy metal ramble. Pure nerdism. Um, and a lot of this is inspired by uh, drinking whiskey, sitting in the back of a van uh, last weekend uh, with the boys from Fen who were, um, you know, firing me up with some heavy hair chat, which I'll get into. Um, I'm also going to talk about what it takes to pick a good set list. Um, and maybe the future of um, some kind of heavy metal belongs in the um, independent second and third division, what would be, from a marketing point of view, cities, let's just call it the um, independent touch. Anyway, what the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, I mean, those albums were sort of viewed at the time as trying to pursue all of those um, American bands out the gate and selling out the new wave of British heavy metal sound. Even um, Saxon were kind of a bit lost, changed their imagery. You know, we start to see 
I mean, if you look at, as I said, Lanisons and Stoic Excuse and some of those records, Rock the Nation, they are beginning to get a bit glammy. Um, like I said, I do like them. I would even argue that Innocence is no excuse. Perhaps is a better record than Crusader. Crusader is top heavy with some great songs, but um, some of it um, I don't think is as good as maybe, um, you know, Rock and Roll Gypsy, Rockin' Again, etc. I remember buying a Saxon uh, VHS video for one euro um, on tour. I was working on a tour with Nile and The Haunted and... Um, I think Marco, the singer of The Haunted at the time, um, was just absolutely disgusted by the Saxon video. And he was like, rocking again. Rock and roll gypsy. Everything rock. Fucking hell. And then we would play the DVD. Or sorry, not a DVD even. Then we'd play the VHS and have a drink. And it slowly became the go-to VHS on the bus, which was played every night. And Marco joined in. So one could say... That, um, as April Wine would sing, he he liked to rock. I wouldn't say he loved it. Um, quite fascinating that April Wine will write a song. It's so Canadian, isn't it, called um, I Like to Rock. We like to rock. Like, we don't love it. We're not obsessed by it. We're not passionate about it. We like it. Like, um, you know, like a nice quiche or something like this. It's something we like to do. Um, very Canadian. Speaking of Canada, of course, Primordial is actually playing at Messe de Mort. Uh, next year uh, or not next year what am I talking about next month the first time in Canada in like 11 or 12 years to play a club show Carpathian Forest are playing uh, people have been mess- sending me messages going are you actually playing and the truth is yeah we are actually playing so there you go what a wonderful segue from April Wine into Primordial and liking to rock and I can promise that some of us will also be liking to rock in Canada next month Anyway, what the fuck am I talking about? Who knows? Who knows? We were talking about the idea of heavy hair. Now, maybe this is a genre uh, not known to you. We could place it beside Doom Death in the pantheon of heavy metal and rock in that it needs a reassessment. What is heavy hair? Well, heavy hair is somewhere between heavy metal and hair metal. So it, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, sounds like heavy metal, but kind of has a big hair image. Um, Maybe this is typified mostly by American bands, um, the pinnacle of which is probably Wasp. Um, I mean, I think the first Wasp album is one of the greatest heavy metal debuts of all time. And certainly Fuck Like a Beast or I Want to Be Somebody are, they look, let's be honest, it's heavy metal. And you watch footage of Wasp playing from 82, 83, where they're, you know, Blackie is fire breathing onto a steel backdrop, which is going up in flames and there's blood and maggots and all sorts of stuff. I mean, it's a kind of... Blackie calls it in a kind of ostentatious way a psychodrama, but it's not that dissimilar to things that you see Watain doing now. Um, and I think the idea that Wasp, you know, became some sort of big hair band, I mean, they did have big hair. There is no getting around that fact. Um, and I love that part in, um, you know, the Black Flag um, in Henry Rollins's book where he talks about them, Black Flag rehearsing one day in the same place as Wasp. And kind of thinking to himself, oh, these pussy guys in the wasp and their big hair. And then get into the rehearsal room and realizing that Blackie Lawless and all the rest of them are all big, tall dudes. And I can just imagine this uncomfortable meetings in the hallway between um, Black Flag and Wasp over the water cooler or whatever um, choice of poison it was. I'm sure Wasp was a little bit more poisonous in those days. But heavy hair is that space that exists between, let's say, speed metal, straight heavy metal. I'm thinking, for example, um, 
For example, if you take Body Talk by Rat, um, I think it's off the first album, um, and it's got, it starts off almost like speed metal. And then it has, of course, a big chorus and it's very Rat-esque, but it straddles the line between speed and heavy metal and there's no doubt that they have heavy hair, they have big hair. So what would be um, five bands who you could go and look up and go, I am confident to uh, move forward with my knowledge of heavy hair by having listened to these five records. I would say Dokken, Tooth and Nail. Tooth and Nail is without a doubt a heavy metal song, almost a speed metal song when it comes in. Bloody hard to sing as well. Um, Dokken, Underlock and Key, but Tooth and Nail. Wasp, um, all of them really, but specifically the first one and the last command. I would say then if you want to dig down in the dirt a little bit, I would say Icon. Um, Icon, uh, classic rock magazine called Night of the Crime, the second Icon album, the greatest lost AOR album of all time. And I would say it's an absolutely brilliant hard rock record. That and the first Icon record, um, which is just called Icon, if you want to check out the track Under My Gun. Um, yeah, you'll begin to get an impression of what heavy hair is. Um, they only had the two albums in them and then really the ones after that are pretty useless. But yeah, there you go. Icon, uh, Shock Paris. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Steel and Starlight, which is not only brilliant because it has a kind of um, a woman in space who appears to be sort of made of glass playing an electric guitar, but the guitar is a kind of Eiffel Tower styled guitar. Can you think of anything more incredible than that? Yeah. Shock, Paris, Steel and Starlight. Have a go of that. Um, and Leatherwolf, I guess. Um, Street Ready would probably be, you know, a good heavy hair record. I could probably think of a couple more, but have a go of those um, five to begin with. Wasp, Dokken, Icon, um, Shock, Paris, Leatherwolf. There is more out there. Of course there is. So anyway, what was I going to talk about? Oh, yeah. What does it take to pick um, a good set list? Um, what an incredible segue that is. But last weekend, Promodio played in Rennes in Paris at a Samhain, or, well, we say Samhain in Irish. S-A-M-H-A-I-N, not Samhain, Samhain. That's how you say it in Irish, although somebody will no doubt DM me to go, no, it's Savain, or whatever. That was a rather, um, you know, we would, can't call it a xenophobic uh, voice, seeing as I'm Irish, but uh, <laughs> Samhain, anyway. So we played at this great festival 
about three or four hundred strong. And I really think maybe as people begin to get more and more alienated from the big festivals and the sort of cattle market kind of feel to them and the overblown merch and the sort of, sir, you can't stand here. Sir, can you follow this? Can you go down this cattle grid? Can you go blah, 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 blah. There's an X amount of people who are just going to be turned off and go, you know what? Let's go and see our local band. Um, let's go and see our local festival. And you bring in one kind of bigger band. And um, the feeling was great, but it was the first time we've done two shows back to back in the same venue. I thought the idea was maybe a bit much. Did Primordial actually have that many fans to fill a reasonably sized venue for two nights in a row? Maybe, maybe not. Some people, there were different crowds on both nights. Some people were... Um, I guess there were some diehard people there to see boat shows. There was quite a mingling of the crowds. But it struck me, how do you approach that? Because we played 14 to 15 completely different songs every night. And that's 30 songs. And how do you approach a good set list? And I was thinking about that because we were arguing about it in the backstage. And there are two different kinds of things, really. Well, no, actually, there's two. And then there's subsections of those two. The first one thing you should consider if you're in a band is, is it a festival or is it your own show or is the club show supporting a bigger band? Um, if you've got 40, 45, 50 minutes at a festival, you kind of need to hit with your heavyweights. You've got to kind of hit with your bigger punches, which is why often with Primordial, you won't get one or two obscure songs at a festival. You might get, you'll get a changed and altered set list, but you're probably likely going to hear on Barfalls and Coffin Ships and whatever is the opener from the new album, etc. Because you haven't really got the time, space and intimacy to throw complete curveballs. Every now and again, of course, you get a festival, they give you one hour 20, one hour 30. The longer the set, the more curios you're going to get in the set list. Because the songs are seven, eight, nine minutes long. So if you have a 40 minute set list, this is five songs. Um, and if you spend eight minutes playing, um, I'm not, I don't know, the fires from the first album and 5% of the people in a festival or 10 or 15 know it. You've kind of unfortunately wasted, um, not wasted, but like I said, you've hit, um, you know, a body punch when you maybe should have gone for the um, the jaw. Now, there are, of course, some musicians and some bands who just go, who cares about that? Play whatever you want. Um, I don't advocate doing a Neil Young and just standing upstage, up, up on, uh, you know, up there feeding back for fucking 40 minutes. I'm um, especially not when people have paid like 150, 200 euro to see you. And because he's a bit of a, you know, see you next Tuesday. Um, uh, is somebody who I will never respect again after his Spotify um, nonsense that he perpetrated recently this year or last year whatever it was but that's besides the point <clears throat> slow down too much caffeine yes I know I know I know but point being um, you need to tailor your set and think about the dynamics so for a band like Primordial who don't have courses or many courses um, the first night Friday night set was more traditional it was more epic metal it was a bit more aggressive and Saturday was the obscure one um, they're on Instagram the set lists but Saturday was a bit darker, a bit slower, a bit more methodical, a bit more deep cuts of the band. And you have to, one thing you have to get used to as a singer is the fact that um, you can't constantly crave crowd interaction or reaction. Sometimes you have to let the songs breathe, speak for themselves, head for the side of the stage, head for the back of the stage, which I'm quite bad at. Sometimes if I get a bit amped up, I want a kind of an interaction constantly. And I have to sort of pour sometimes a little bit of cold water for that on that um, because you need to temper it down and you can't have 
fists in the air all the time because it gets tiresome and you need to give room for people to listen to the music. As I said, it's not something I'm particularly great at doing sometimes, but you then have another set, which is your headline set, which is, let's say, in these shows, two hours a night, hour 45, two and a half. Personally, I think that if people are going to pay to see you, you should do, depending on the music, nobody wants to see a two-hour death metal show. I get that. But walking off the stage after 60 minutes and going, hey, give me my money, somehow feels disingenuous and a little bit, um, considering the difficulties now that people have to pay for into for a ticket into a show, um, I think you should go for the long haul. At least for primordial, I like two, two and a half, even three-hour gigs we've played in Athens and we've told people, or in Greece and a few other uh, Russia and stuff, we've told people, look, strap yourself in, take a fucking break, um, go to the bar for a song. There'll be down times, there'll be some mellow songs where you're not going to need to interact and you can just stand and watch, but we're going to give you that value for money, so to speak, and also just play lots of songs because we never know when you might never be there again. When you might never be there again. Yes, there's a kind of Irish double negativism going on in such an absurd thing to say. But um, you kind of tailor your set a bit for that. A little bit. You know, I'm I'm not one for going, you know, for just giving uh, fans what they want. But I think you've got to consider all points of view. And you, you know, bands who just, hey, we have a new album. We're only playing the new album. And people go, yeah, but like, what about this classic album from 92? And they go, no. Okay, if you're Iron Maiden, you can do it and you can have a different kind of tour every six months or a year. But sometimes you have to, like I saw The Cure, um, and they played a long set. And for the first hour, hour and 20 minutes, 40, 30 minutes, they played lots of deep cuts from pornography, blood flowers, and some deep cuts from disintegration, really great and dark songs. And there were a lot of people there you could just, you knew were just there for a spider or spiders, love cats. Um, and they were just there for lullaby and these kind of songs and eventually Robert Smith just went alright here we go and for 45 minutes they just lit up the place with hits now not everybody can be the cure in fact no one can be the cure um, but they did both and you are able to do both I think if you're supporting a bigger band you might have to consider um, <clears throat> again kind of hitting with your hardest um, your hard numbers open with the, the tightest the best punching the most memorable song. Don't necessarily leave your best song to last if you're supporting a band with in front of their audience because you're trying to kind of steal their audience a little bit. You're trying to kind of trying to capture them. Maybe um, you know try and pick a diverse set which shows. Here's a dark. Here's a gloomy song. Here's one that's a a bit more of an epic song or whatever you want to call it. Here's one with the big fuck off chorus. And you try and present all your dynamics in the 40 minutes you're given because you're trying to kind of snatch the rug out from under their feet a little bit. At least that's how I see it. It's a kind of, um, you know, a positive rivalry. Um, I always wish bands that are my friends and that I go and see well because I'm not worried about following them or playing before them. Promodial has enough good songs that it doesn't bother me. But you want other people to rise up. To, you know, what do they say? Rise to meet the challenge of our rivals, etc. Yep. Survivor, little Survivor plug to end with. But the whole atmosphere of this double show thing um, was really very, very charming. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. A lot of local people had gone to a lot of work to make it happen. And it had a kind of homespun quality to it that you just don't get at something bigger. And maybe that's part of the future is, um, you know, to so as you can save on flight costs and you don't have to travel as much, you go, you know what? Hey, you pick an interesting venue like an old church or something in uh, maybe not one of the main cities and you go, come to this 
place for the weekend that isn't going to rip you off for hotels and rip you off this, that and the other. And we'll play two completely different sets. Let me know in the comments if somehow you think this is a good idea. Um, but set lists are about dynamics. They're about trying to allow people the space to breathe, so even the space to kind of go, you know what, now is the moment where um, I choose to just stand at the back a bit. Other songs are more interactive. Um, you try and start with a big punch, end with a big punch. A few, a few curveballs, a few unusual ones, um, and something a little bit different sprinkled along the way. I would say physically, um, measure your process. I would say with the vocals, with the thing, all that kind of stuff when you're singing, um, don't blow it all out in the first two or three songs. Try and keep some gas in the tank and try, and then you'll come back up on the curve near the end as a musician. Don't get, you know, kind of... Um, completely, I was going to say gaslight yourself, but that's not the right word, is it? Don't completely gas yourself. I'd consider it a bit like, um, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I kind of think like that with a headlining show. And you do have to have parts in the show that are, this is a song that might be a bit obscure, a bit slow, a bit melodic. Take a breath, my friends, and then let's bring it back up. Anyway, that's the kind of um, feelings I have about a set list, um, that it should have dynamics that it should showcase all the different things with the band and you do have to do different things like that if you've played at one festival several times you maybe do throw in a few curveballs but overall i think you should try and measure it with dynamics um land 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 a few big punches at the beginning at the end and i would recommend uh tooth and nail under lock and key wasp the last command etc and find your way into heavy hair they can even be wow you can even go to hellion you could go king diamond has a bit of a few heavy hair moments on um at least albums like conspiracy sleepless nights is a bit heavy hairy at least going by mickey d's hair um all that kind of thing get into it invite your mates around and start an argument at 2 a.m while drinking a bottle of whiskey straight about what is and what isn't heavy hair that is the moral of this Tuesday's heavy metal ramble, my friends, and I'll see you on Friday for something a little bit more serious. Who knows? Alan Averill, Agitators Anonymous, over and out. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.